onset of starlight from flashbangs and frag grenades by Calchaxis read by Sam Gabriel based on League of Legends by Riot Games Chapter 8 A Great Unkindness did you know you share your name with a fishmonger who fries greasy food in the sumps of Zahn? Did you know you share yours with half the whores in Noxus? The pale-skinned woman across from Jericho Swain gave him a thin-lipped smile as she sipped at her glass of wine. The day was coming to an end, and the Grand General had been given quite his fill of politicking for the time being. Half of Noxus was in an uproar about his decision to withdraw the majority of their business interests from Piltover, while the other half was applauding his good sense. That was usually the case, less a matter of the right hands not knowing what the left hand was doing and more both hands being engaged in a lopsided kind of thumb war for the fate of a kingdom, while the brain looked on in tired disgust. "'It was nothing personal, dear heart.' Swain continued as he raised his own glass in apologetic salute. We simply have a different interests for the moment. For the moment, LeBlanc echoed wryly. This has been a very long moment indeed, then. Aren't they all? LeBlanc sighed, then drained her wine glass before gesturing for the servant standing nearby to refill it, which they did. My plan was going flawlessly, you know, she said after a moment. I'm aware that was my issue, Swain replied as he relaxed back in his chair and looked out over the edge of the balcony. Before them sprawled the great capital of Noxus. It was a glorious place, and it never failed to stir Swain's heart to see it, Deep within his mind, the grim consciousness of Raum stirred and rasped as it reached out across the city, plucking secrets like harp strings. Here a wealthy businessman embezzled from his partner, which was only fair since his partner had recently murdered her great-aunt and forged her will to acquire a fat purse of inheritance, there the wife of a nobleman copulated with a chambermaid while her husband saw to his business interests in Bilgewater. Considering how much time the man spent in the brothels there, Swain imagined those two were probably perfect for each other. Everyone had secrets, and of course, everyone knew that fact. But the greatest secrets about secrets was that those little lies all tended to balance out with one another. If they didn't, then society would have collapsed long ago. It was actually a little disappointing how banal being able to scrape secrets from the very air was, in most cases anyway. Some, like his company for the evening, had a mind far too labyrinthine for even Raum to pry secrets from. Others, like that madwoman who had lately bombed her way through the Ducoteau Manor, had a mind so fractious that only the subtlest hints could be gathered. Shall we play, then? Swain asked, setting his wine glass down and gesturing to the strategia board between them. I suppose so, LeBlanc said. What's the score again? You know precisely what the score is, Swain replied with a chuckle. LeBlanc's soft, rose-petal lips pursed into a coquettish smile 
as she brushed a few strands of hair from her eyes before picking up the box containing the game pieces and holding it out. Draw for the color. My pleasure, Swain said, before reaching out with his shadow-wrapped arm, closing his eyes and... And no peeking through Beatrice? Perish the thought. I'll perish a number of things, LeBlanc shot back. Swain chuckled as he drew out a piece and opened his eyes. Resting in his palm was a black obsidian soldati. First move to you, then, my dear, Swain said, setting his piece down. Strategia was not a complicated game to learn. Unsurprising, since it had originated in Demacia, it had seven types of pieces, and these in particular were quite old. Each of the various types of pieces had their role embossed in the classical Demacian tongue around their bases, thirteen soldati, nine archieri, six cavalieri, five maghi, four castelli, and one each of the steward and the generale. The final piece to be protected at all costs was la regina, the queen. The roles were simple enough, as was the theory behind them, but the game itself was one that grew more complex the more capable the players were. Part of it was due to the nature of the game itself. The table was hexagonal and covered in checkered spaces, and in the center was a tall metal cylinder. It involved as much combating the mind of your opponent as it was pushing back their armies. It had historically been a game for generals, and in fact it still was— most Damasians grew up playing it as a matter of course, although it enjoyed some limited popularity elsewhere. In Noxus, though, it was a betting man's game. The problem was, playing Strategia against the Black Rose herself was generally a losing bet. Swain didn't particularly like taking losing bets, but there was something more than just the game itself. There was always more. The game beneath the game. The usual wager? LeBlanc asked. The usual, Swain said. A secret for a secret. Hmm. I look forward to adding a new one to my collection, she said. Perhaps, Swain allowed. There was something else, too. Win or lose. To play Strategia against someone was to get a peek inside their mind— to get a feel for the senses and their intentions. The outcome mattered little. That is why he decided to test a theory with this game, a new strategy beyond his usual, just to see what happened. My move, then? LeBlanc asked as she finished setting up. Naturally. LeBlanc took the first several moves quickly. It had always been her style to control as much ground as possible. If the earth was against them, then her enemies would find no quarter no matter where they looked. Swain, on the other hand, moved his line forward at an excruciatingly slow pace, taking minutes for each turn and only taking a single square at a time, and giving LeBlanc plenty of time to consider and reconsider her options. He knew it would aggravate her. It always did. She preferred to play a quicker game, but drawing it out had its advantages. For one, Swain always did enjoy seeing her grow petulant and frustrated. He glanced up from moving his castillo as she huffed in annoyance, and LeBlanc gestured irritatedly for him to continue. 
It wasn't until the twentieth turn that the first piece was claimed. One of Swain's soldati was brought low when LeBlanc finally lashed out with her cavalieri. Swain wasted no time in punishing her for losing her temper and growing hasty. By breaking into his line, she had destabilized her own defensive formation. Over the next five turns, Swain swept up four soldati with his marauding cavalieri and the castelli to one particularly brave archieri that paid for its arrogance with its life. The damage had been done, though. In the act of consolidating her forces back to a stable position, LeBlanc was forced to cede control of the center of the board. The pillar, known as the apex in the game, was an incredibly valuable space. No piece could move through it, so it formed the only real barrier on the board. This had been his strategy all along, to claim the most defensible place on the board and bleed her dry. It took LeBlanc 112 more turns of grueling, arduous effort to chip away at Swain's defensive line. His cavalieri sallied out every time she made a push, punishing her for every move she made. His magi and castelli created formidable barriers at any key junction she might have tried to weaken. She was forced to play the most jaw-clenching game of attrition that had, perhaps, ever been played upon a strategia board. And it took hours. It was inevitable, though, and eventually Swain was left with only his steward, three soldati, a lone cavalieri, and a single castillo, clustered around the apex of the board protecting his regina. To be fair, she had lost all of her cavalieri and her magi, but still had six soldati and three of her castelli left along with her generale, three archieri, and of course her own regina. It still took ten more turns to force him into a surrender, but she lost her generale in the meantime. By the time Swain tipped over his Regina in defeat, LeBlanc had been thoroughly aggravated. That could have been done in a tenth the time, she said flatly. Ah, but it would not have been done right, my dear, Swain countered. What was so right about dragging the game out so long? Just testing a theory, he replied. LeBlanc reclined back with a vulpine smile, picked up her latest glass of wine, and said, To tell. Well, I suppose I do owe you a secret, don't I? Swain said wryly. Oh, you wretched man, LeBlanc sneered. Fine. Color me curious. Let's have it, then. Swain grinned faintly as he turned to look back out over Noxus. It's simple, really, he said. I wanted to see if your patience really was infinite, and what you would do if you got impatient. I was generally a bit surprised to see that you can and that you do the same thing everyone else does. And that is? LeBlanc asked testily. You grew hasty. It's just a game, young man. Don't read too much into it. LeBlanc scoffed. But it's in games that we see the truth, my rose, Swain said. You know that as well as I do. You're just sore that I saw through you. LeBlanc pressed her lips together again, then blew out a sigh and relaxed back before devolving into a fit of quiet chuckles. 
Swain's baritone laughter joined hers a moment later. It was strange. LeBlanc was his enemy. That was not even a question. She was his foe in almost all ways, but by that same token, she was also, perhaps, his only equal. It was quite lonely at the top, and Swain suspected that that was why LeBlanc regularly attended these little private meetings. The time they spent together was never about work, never about the Trifarics or about Noxus, not really. It wasn't truly about anything at all. Neither of them had ever tried to quantify, and truthfully, Swain suspected that they never would. Setting her wine glass down, LeBlanc steepled her fingers and said, So tell me, why are you so interested in Piltover and Zorn? They will rise or they will fall, but in the grand scheme, they're one of the hundreds of city-states that have risen and fallen in my time. Is it the Hextech? We can always prize that from the city's corpse once they're done killing each other. No, it's not that, Swain said quietly. But that is a secret, my rose. LeBlanc frowned at his tone, then nodded. Fine, she said. A secret for a secret. Now tell me the truth, Jericho. She must have very badly wanted to know, but then that didn't surprise him. LeBlanc hated one thing above all others, and that was not knowing something. The truth, then. The truth is that I don't know, he admitted. And LeBlanc's eyebrows rose to her hairline. I feel it. Like a thunderhead over my soul. Something is moving, some change is coming. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's just gut instinct, but I can feel it. He turns to look back at her. I can feel it. And it frightens me. Nothing frightens you, LeBlanc said softly. This does, because I have dreamed of it, Swain said and LeBlanc's gaze sharpened. I saw a great shadow rising, and a sky blackened by a pillar of ravens, rising not from Piltover, but from the chasms of Zorn. They rose together like the neck of a stirring dragon, and then dove to consume all before them. Swain sighed quietly. I can feel it, and that is why we needed to pull back. No profit is worth the loss of all interests. Certainly there is no purpose in getting dragged into a war like that. LeBlanc turned and looked out towards the south, towards the great desert of Shurima, but also towards those twin cities, those contentious and vicious siblings, Piltover and Zahn, the shining elder sibling who stood upon the back of the shadowed younger. Perhaps I've been neglecting the younger generation, LeBlanc admitted. Then she turned and smiled faintly at Swain. But perhaps you're simply overreacting. Prudence is a virtue, dear, Swain said. Prudence is also a whore, LeBlanc retorted. She works on the Lower East End, if you're curious. I'm not, but thank you for that detail, 
I'm sure it will be useful some day. My generosity truly knows no bounds. Swain snorted into his wine, and LeBlanc's quiet laughter welled up once again. He had not been lying, though. The storm that was rising to swallow Piltover and Zahn had made Raum shiver. That was truly saying something. That, however, was not what was disturbing him. What was truly urging him to pull his hand back from the Twin Cities was the feeling in his gut. It was the same feeling he had gotten when he had been granted purview over the disastrous invasion of Ionia. Oh, yes, there had been victories, and in the end, it was the loss of his arm and the humbling blow he had been dealt that had taught him how to take Noxus back from Dark Will. Ionia had been a learning experience, and a priceless one, but only a fool chooses to learn from their mistakes. This time, Swain was far happier to sit back and allow everyone else to make the mistakes, and he would learn from their miseries. Swain took another sip from his glass, draining it dry, then set it down. Out of curiosity, what poison was that? He gestured to his glass. I've been trying to place that savory, floral hint, and it's eluding me. Shadowvane from the Isles, LeBlanc said. Disappointing, too. I had high hopes for it, but alas, back to the drawing board. It wasn't bad, actually, Swain said. How was mine? The gutter rack? An excellent attempt but the metallic tang hits the tongue before the flavor of the wine and gives the drinker time to nullify it. It's better suited to something meatier like a dark beer. Hmm. I'll have to remember that, Swain replied, before standing and shrugging off his heavy coat. So, shall we? Do that, LeBlanc replied coyly, as she stood and sashayed away from him. She tugged at the collar of her dress and let it slip down her shoulders to reveal the long, delightfully smooth expanse of her back, and Swain moved up behind her to lay his hands on her bare shoulders. And keep the claws away this time, won't you? LeBlanc purred. Only if you keep that stiletto under the pillow, you know that's not going to happen. Precisely. LeBlanc hissed in delight as she leaned back into him, and laughed as the claws of his demonic hand pressed into her flesh, and her laughter washed over him. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character, Get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.